0: Hey, it's Curious City reporter Monica Eng, and as we get closer to the Christmas holiday, one listener wants to know the history behind a Chicago Christmas tradition and the institution that created it. That's coming up. Carolyn Cross's great-grandparents came to Chicago from Lithuania around the turn of the century. And even as newly arrived immigrants, they started participating in a Chicago Christmas tradition, visiting the Walnut Room restaurant at the Marshall Fields Department Store downtown on State Street. It all started when her great-grandmother took her grandmother.
1: And then my grandmother took my mom, and then my mom took me. So, you know, it's been a tradition in the family for a long time.
0: In that tradition, it's always included some specific steps.
1: First, when we were little, little kids, we would go see Santa Claus.
0: After that,
1: we would go look at the windows.
0: Then, the best part, chicken pot pie at the Walnut Room. Now, if you're not familiar with this Chicago Christmas tradition, the Walnut Room is a huge, elegant restaurant on the seventh floor of Marshall Fields, now a Macy's. It's trimmed with Circassian walnut from Russia and flanked by white columns, with a second-level balcony overlooking the main floor. And every year, around the holidays, an enormous Christmas tree stands in the center of it all. Here's how Carolyn remembers it.
1: We would go have lunch in the walnut room and sit by that beautiful tree with those waitresses and their dresses and their white aprons, it just had such great memories this time of year."
0: So this year, when a lot of us are feeling nostalgic about holiday traditions we miss, Carolyn asked us to tell her more about the famous Walnut Room, how it became a Christmas tradition, and why it still holds up. What we found was that the Walnut Room and that Christmas tradition was part of a larger strategy at Marshall Fields that went way beyond the holidays. A plan to make the department store accessible to all kinds of shoppers, of every class, and to make their store a nearly indispensable part of people's lives. But how did the Walnut Room start? Historian Sarah Sullivan says it all began with an impromptu lunch one afternoon at Marshall Fields at the tail end of the 1800s.
1: As the legend goes, there was a salesperson who was um, serving a group of ladies and um, after the the ladies had amassed quite a bit of merchandise that they were looking to buy, they, they felt they needed to cancel the sale and just leave because they were hungry.
0: See, at the turn of the century, women often
1: had to go home when they got hungry. Because the only place to eat at that time were in saloons and saloons were not places that ladies would choose to eat. Also, there were no public bathrooms. So those two things prevented women from being as social as they were in later periods. So when this particular group of lady shoppers at Marshall Field started to get hungry, they figured the shopping day was over. So the salesperson, thinking quickly on her feet, said, oh, no, no, don't leave. Let me set up a a table and some china and linens and I will share my lunch with you. And that is what she did. She shared with them Mrs. Herring's pot pie. That was her grandmother. So she shared her grandmother's chicken pot pie.
0: And Sullivan says this improvised meal caught the eye of Harry Selfridge, the flamboyant Marshall Fields executive who was constantly dreaming up new ideas to attract customers.
1: Selfridge happened to see this all occur and realized that it made sense to put a restaurant in um, the store. Um, Marshall Fields was not necessarily certain about this in the beginning because, of course, they were a retail establishment, not necessarily a restaurant, but they decided to take a chance on it, and it turned out to be a really good way to get more people into the store and to get more foot traffic through the store.
0: Over time, the little restaurant grew into a large tea room, serving corned beef hash, chicken salad, codfish cakes, orange punch and orange shells, and of course, that famous chicken pot pie. Historian Neil Gale says it was a while before they settled on a name for the restaurant. At first, it was called the South Grill Room.
1: Uh, then it was known as the Walnut Tea Room, next to the Walnut Grill,
0: and I guess they like changing names. And finally, it turned into the Walnut Room in 1937. Growing up in West Rogers Park in the 60s, Gale says he started visiting the Walnut Room alone when he was still in grammar school. At eight years old, and you wouldn't do this today, at eight, my folks would let me go downtown by myself, the 155 bus and the the north-south train, and I'd get off and I'd go shopping at Fields. At this point, the Walnut Room was already a Christmas tradition for many Chicagoans. And when Gail came into the city on his solo excursions, he had a tradition of his own. A trick for managing the restaurant's notoriously long holiday line. Many times there was a really long line for one or two people. And the line for three or more, you know, had ten parties in it. And I was precocious enough to approach a family that looked nice and ask them if I can join them so I will not have to wait an hour. Wasn't that weird? Uh, yeah, but, you know, I met a lot of nice folks. But remember, Carolyn's question was about how the Walnut Room came to be a Christmas tradition in the first place. And Sullivan says the answer is wrapped up in the evolution of Christmas itself. At the turn of the 20th century...
1: Christmas really wasn't the holiday that we know it to be. Santa was a figure that was... Known somewhat, but not every good girl or boy had a visit from Santa in that period. So all of it kind of gradually evolved. And Marshall Fields gradually evolved with this vision of Christmas. By the the 30s and particularly the 40s, every department store had a Santa Claus. Every department store had a toy department. And Marshall Fields was definitely a leader in the Chicago area in doing that.
0: The department store kicked off one Christmas tradition as early as 1907, when they put a Christmas tree in the center of the Walnut Room for the very first time. But that came with some complications.
1: When Marshall Fields originally had their Christmas tree in the Walnut Room, the initial trees were real, live trees. And they actually hired a man to sit all night and watch the tree to make sure that it did not end up on fire.
0: Remember. This
1: would have been less than
0: 50 years after the Great Chicago Fire, which destroyed their previous location. Then after they rebuilt and expanded on the same spot, another fire came along a
1: few years later and burnt it all down again. So better safe than sorry. But pretty quickly, it occurred to Fields that they should just invest in artificial trees. And that's what they had done ever since.
0: But for lots of Chicagoans, their Christmas memories go beyond the Walnut Room and the Great Tree. Some of us had moms who didn't want to deal with the long line at the Walnut Room. But we still got to see the dazzling Christmas windows. Spectacular decorations with scenes that told a story each year. And Sullivan says Fields
1: took those very seriously. Fields was one of the first, if not the first, retailer to use store windows as a form of marketing. Prior to that, windows were only used to let light into the store so people could see what they were shopping for, and um, Marshall Fields got the idea to use those spaces for merchandising. And obviously during the Christmas time, it became apparent that they needed to do that with um, Christmas decorations. So the Marshall Fields store came up with a theme every year and um, the windows and the walnut room and the store would be decorated using that theme for a given year. As the corporate lore goes, there was a department that spent an entire year acquiring materials and planning the design for the Christmas windows. Over the years, those themes have included everything from the night before
0: Christmas to the Nutcracker to a Marshall Fields Christmas mascot named Uncle Mistletoe. This year's theme is honoring first responders and essential workers during the pandemic. But all of this Christmas tradition is, well, kind of window dressing if you don't have loyal customers coming to the shop. So why did so many Chicagoans feel so connected to Marshall Fields, and not just around Christmas? That's coming up right after the break. So in answering Carolyn's question, we've learned that the Walnut Room began when the department store tried to address an unmet need among female shoppers at the turn of the century. Then the restaurant evolved along with a bundle of Christmas innovations at the store, the giant indoor Christmas tree, the elaborate window displays. But historian Sarah Sullivan says those Christmas traditions are just a small piece of a larger customer service strategy that went way beyond Christmas.
1: In the early days in particular, Marshall Fields focused on the long game. They didn't look to sell something to you today. They looked to have you as a customer for life.
0: And they did that by constantly coming up with new ways to improve the shopping experience
1: and attract all kinds of customers. So they had higher priced items. They had less expensive items. They had a wholesale department. They had a retail department. And they treated everyone well, no matter how much money they could spend in the store.
0: The list of retail innovations at Marshall Fields is too long to get into here. But let me share just a couple of examples. First, Sullivan says they were one of the first department stores to accept
1: returns. This is a time when snake oil salesmen were a regular thing. So knowing that when you bought something, if, if it turned out to be defective, that the store would take it back was very reassuring for people. In addition to that, Marshall Fields was also among the first, if not the first, to open a bargain basement. Yeah, you
0: might think of Marshall Fields as a high-end shop. But they literally invented the bargain basement, a lower level for cheaper goods that became the largest sales
1: floor in the nation. Fields really hoped to address the needs of everyone. It gave everyone an opportunity to be able to afford something from Marshall Fields.
0: But Sullivan says the innovations at Marshall Fields went beyond retail. Their strategy involved
1: establishing the department store as more than just a store. They had long-distance telephone services at a time when people didn't have phones in their home. They had a post office, a telegraph office, stenography service, a travel agency, a concierge service. And along with those services, they would often step up to help the community in times of need. In many cases, they were the place that people turned to when there was a crisis, either a citywide crisis or a personal crisis. There are stories of people being trapped in blizzards, being stuck downtown and unable to leave the city and and going to Marshall Fields. And people would go when they needed help, knowing that the store was going to provide that service for them.
0: So thanks to a long list of innovations in retail and an emphasis on community service and public relations, Marshall Fields cemented itself as a Chicago institution and a national icon.
1: In 1914, Marshall Fields was the largest department store in the world. So people around the country would have known that Marshall Fields name, and it would have meant something. It was actually a destination for a long period of time. So what happened? Well, let me back up. Let me see how to — trying to figure out how to, how to explain this. Um, well, the world
0: changed. Discount stores, online shopping, and most recently the pandemic have transformed the way we shop. But even with the decline of the department store in public life, every year around Christmas, the crowds do come back to the old State Street department store to take part in these holiday traditions, to see the great tree or check out the Christmas windows or have a meal at the Walnut Room.
1: The Walnut Room remains in great part because the place that Marshall Fields held in the lives of Um, A lot of Chicagoans, particularly Chicagoans of a certain age. It was an important place to gather for a lot of Chicagoans for a long time. And I think that's why it's remained, even though Marshall Fields itself, the name has has left, the restaurant continues.
0: The Walnut Room is still open, even during the pandemic but with some changes. You can't dine in, but you can go check out the big tree and get a special holiday takeout box lunch with a brownie, an ornament, and Carolyn's favorite, the famous chicken pot pie. But even without the pandemic, the future of these traditions has been uncertain. In recent years, there were rumors that Macy's might sell the floors in the store that held the Walnut Room. But a spokesman said bah humbug to that rumor. In fact, she said, Quote, Macy's is a proud steward of these sacred traditions. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. This episode was produced by Steven Jackson. Mackenzie Crosson is our digital producer. The editor for Curious City is Alexander Solomon. And a hearty warm farewell to our interns, Linnea Dominic, Izzy Carter, and Hannah Boomershine. And don't forget that Curious City runs on your questions. Send them our way at wbez.org slash Curious City. I'm Monica Ng. Before we start the show...